recalibrating our hearts and, and thinking about God's love and, and, and what God has done for us on the cross um, and, and getting us in, in that, um, you know, in that, for lack of a better word, mood of, of just looking to him in awe. Um, so it's, it's, it's such a blessing to, to think about what God has done for us as we sit down to hear his word, um, as we, we consider what his word has to say to us. Right? Amen. Um, um, to the visitors, uh, you have been welcomed. Um, get to know them. I saw Mama there. I saw uh, Donix there. I spoke to him yesterday, last night, and, and I saw the, the two young ladies at the back there. Get to know them um, after, after, after um, the sermon over tea and coffee. Um, we, we are going to, to, for this coming four weeks, um, look at John chapter 3, verse 16, for the coming four, four weeks. It's a, it's a familiar passage, right? It's a, it's a very familiar passage, and I'm sure a lot of us even know it by heart, right? Um, in fact, when I was young, um, I don't remember how old I was, I probably um, seven, eight, I, because I had recited this verse so much, I thought that this was the oldest verse in the Bible. I, I always thought that because this is the verse that I had all the time, whether I was in Sunday school or whether we were doing memory verses um, or whether my mom was, was teaching uh, the Bible at home. I, I always thought this is the oldest verse in the Bible because it is well known and many know it. But I'm afraid that if, although it is well known, it is little understood. So we're going to look at, um, over, over the coming four weeks, we're going to look at uh, this, just this verse, and we're going to look at it under, three, uh, under four headings. Um, we're going to look at God's love, we're going to look at God's gift, God's call, and God's promise. And this morning we're going to look at God's love. Let us read from John chapter 3 verse 16. Maybe let us read together. Let us read the passage together. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, what good news that you have loved us so much, that you have loved us and gave your son Jesus Christ so that we who believe will not die but have eternal life. What good news, O oh Lord. We thank you, Father. Even as we dive into this very verse, O oh Lord, we just pray that our hearts will be uh, uh, drawn to you as you teach us your truth, as you bring us to you, Father, that we will be filled with awe and, and worship in our hearts. May you be praised and glorified in every way. And we pray this in Jesus' blessed name. Amen. Um, a story is told of a certain monk from a long time ago. He announced um, a church that next Sunday evening, I will be preaching on the love of God. 
and then the next Sunday came, the next Sunday evening came, and as the darkness of the night drew close, the congregation gathered in a dimly lit church. In the darkness of the altar, the monk lit a candle, and, 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 and he carried the candle to the, to the crucifix. And as he, he was walking to the crucifix, just imagine this, in a dark room, right? And the church is focusing on the candle. And, 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 and the, first of all, he, he illumined on that crucifix the crown of thorns. Next, the, the two wounded hands. And, and, and then the marks of the spear wound and the, and the harsh fell in that building. He blew out the candle and left the pulpit. There was nothing else to say. Basically, to speak of the love of God is to speak of what he did for his people through his beloved son and our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, to speak of God's love without speaking of the love displayed on the cross is to misrepresent God's love. And that's what happens in our day, right? There are many people who equate the love of God with material possessions. In other words, when one has material possessions, when one has good health, and when one has prosperity, then God loves you. By implication, when you lack these things that are considered or supposedly a display of God's love, then people see you and treat you as if God's love is far from you. And unfortunately, this is also the default response of a lot of people to trial or difficulty. When trials come uninvited and, and catches us off guard, People usually ask, does God love me? Does God care about me? Because for them, God caring and loving them means life going smoothly for them. And who can blame them, right? Who can blame them? Because this is the gospel, quote unquote, that they've heard. They heard that God loves you, and if you come to him, everything will go well with you. You will be blessed, and by blessed, they usually mean that you will have material things in abundance. But, but let, me, let me put it to you this morning, that this is not the gospel. This is not the gospel. This is a monstrous presentation of God's love. It is nothing close to God's love. What we need as believers, we need a good dose of a biblical understanding of God's love. We need to hear from God's word concerning what God says about his love. And who better to teach us about the love of God than Jesus Christ himself? He is the greatest expositor of God's love. He is the greatest display of God's love. We would do well to, to take heed of what God the Father says about God the Son in Luke chapter 9, verse 35. He says this to, to, to the disciples, 
This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. So we would do well to pay attention and to listen to what Jesus Christ has to say about the love of God. In John chapter 3 verse 16, Jesus teaches about the love of God. Remember that as we sit down to, to listen to the words of Jesus in this verse, that we are actually eavesdropping on a conversation that Jesus Christ was having with Nicodemus. Right? Jesus was explaining what it means to be born again and to have eternal life. Basically, Jesus was telling Nicodemus that being born again does not depend on our credentials or our achievements or our backgrounds. But it is the work of it is the, the work of God graciously performed on a helpless sinner who sees their need for eternal life. You see, one does not have eternal life because they have done something to earn it, but because they have experienced the love of God. No one can earn the love of God. I want us to consider just when we look at this verse. The first six words of this verse. For God so loved the world. For God so loved the world. As we consider these words, we can see here that they tell us two things, two humbling truths, so that we may marvel at the greatness of God's love. Two humbling truths, so that we may marvel at the greatness of God's love. First of all, the first humbling truth that we see in this verse, in this phrase, is that God's respond, God, God responds to our sin not as we deserve. God responds to our sin not as we deserve. Look at those words. For God so loved the world. In Psalm 130, verse 3 and 4, we find the psalmist grieving his sin, and, and running to the Lord helplessly. His hope and faith are, are completely resigned to God. He is clinging to God with dear life. Listen to what he says in verse 3 and 4. He says, If you, O Lord, should mock iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, that you may be feared. Imagine that scenario for a minute. Right? Think about it. You are standing before God. Your, your sin is before him in all its ugliness. Him in his perfect holiness and righteousness. You in your disgusting, deplorable, sickening, holiness-hating sin. Standing before God. Now just imagine this. If God were to treat you or to keep an account of your sin and treat you accordingly, would you stand? Would you stand before God? No, right? We, we would not be able to stand. No one could ever stand. In fact, the answer to the psalmist's question when he says uh, uh, that... When he says that uh, if, if you, O oh Lord, should mark iniquities, who could stand? The, 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 the answer to that question is nobody can stand. 
but praise the Lord that he chooses in his sovereign grace not to respond to our sin as we deserve, but he responds out of love. What does it say? For God so loved the world. Right? The truth, uh, uh, the, 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 this, this is the truth that the psalmist knew. He knew that it is because of God's love that we are able to stand before God at all. And he doesn't keep this truth to himself. He recommends it to other sinners as well. He recommends it to those who are coming to God. Look at, look at verse 7 and 8 of Psalm 130. He, he now calls Israel. He says, O Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is steadfast love. You see that? Right? Hope in the Lord, because with the Lord there is what? Steadfast love. And, 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 and with him is plentiful redemption. And, and he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. He calls sinners to hope in the Lord, because the Lord, in the Lord there is steadfast love, an enduring kind of love. This gives us hope, because if we were to stand before God, we would, not have to, we would not have any leg to stand on. So God treats us and responds to us not as we deserve. And just because, make, make, let me clarify a bit, just because God responds with love to humanity, just because he responds with love to you and I, does not mean that God overlooks sin. Right? It does not mean that God does not take uh, the offense of sin against him seriously. He, he takes it very seriously. God is not like a lazy housekeeper who sweeps rubbish under the carpet hoping that no one would notice. God is not like that. Right? He, he, he does something about sin because he is a just God. He must do something about sin. Sin has offended his holiness. He must do something about it. His holiness demands that something must be done about sin. But then the problem is, I think the dilemma, if, if you choose a better word, the dilemma is, how does God show his justice against sin and his love to the sinner? How does God show these things without violating the other, right? Because if he were to just show love without showing justice, he would be an, an, an unjust God, a, a, a God that we cannot trust, right? If he were to, 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 to show justice without showing love, he would be a scary God. How does that happen? How does God show his justice against sin and his love for the sin? Because the justice of God is against sin. And it means that, that when God shows his justice, it means God pouring his full and brittle wrath against sin. And the love of God, on the other hand, means that God, it means that God is drawing the sinner to himself and welcoming that sinner as a son or a daughter. How is this possible? How is this even possible? 
How does the how does a sinner rightly deserving of God's wrath become a son or a daughter of God? The answer to the question is one word, right? Or two words, if you were to, 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 to consider the, the definite article. The answer is that it is the cross. The cross. We'll consider this in great detail on the third week, but let me say this. On the cross, we see clearly how, God, how God's justice is fully satisfied and how his love is fully displayed. We get to see God's hatred and punishment of sin by pouring his full wrath on Jesus Christ on the cross. And we get, we get to see God's amazing love through the death of Jesus on the cross. In other words, the cross communicates two things. It communicates God's hatred of sin. It also communicates God's love of his people. There's a phrase that Paul uses in Romans chapter 3, verse 26, that explains this beautifully. It says that God might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus Christ. Right? He is just in the sense that his justice is fully met. And he is the justifier in the sense that he is working for the, for, for, for the redemption of the sinner. You see that? His justice is fully satisfied. It is not violated. It is fully satisfied in Christ when his wrath is poured out on the cross. His love is fully displayed when in Christ he draws the sinner to himself. In other words, in order for God to respond to our sin, not as we deserve, he must deal with our sin through the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. In doing so, he deals with sin justly and displays love graciously. Amen. So we see, first of all, this humbling truth that God does not respond to our sin as we deserve. Secondly, God's love is not blind to who we are. God's love is not blind to who we are. I want you to look at that verse again. For God so loved the world. When you choose someone to marry, I'm talking to the single ones, when you choose someone to marry, you hope to choose from the cream de la cream of suitors, right? <laughs> if you're a Christian, you definitely want to marry another godly Christian. You, you want to marry someone who, who loves God as much as you do, or even more than you do. But, but just imagine with me for a minute that you are set up with someone, and um, the first time you meet them, your, your first impression is that they look good, they smell good, and they speak good. Right? They, they seem to tick all the boxes on your checklist of the, the, what the perfect spouse is. You, you are just smitten. You are swept off your feet. You're on cloud nine. You just want to get married as in yesterday. But then, after a while, let's say after a few days, you discover all the bad things about this person. 
And, and these bad things are not a past that has been confessed and repented of. Right? They are not in the past. They are current. They are now. They are all the bad things that are a deal breaker. Think about your definition for a minute of scum of the earth. The, the picture that pops out of your mental dictionary fits that person perfectly. The question is, would you still consider them a perfect suitor for you? No, right? No way. There's no way that you will consider them a perfect suitor. There's no way that will happen. But when God picked out a bride for his son, the bitter truth is that there was not much to pick from. The, the, the bride of Christ didn't tick any box on the list. When God looked at the world in the time of Noah, this is what he saw in Genesis 6, verse 5. This is what the Lord saw. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. This is what the Lord saw. Or think about Romans chapter 3, verse 23. For all have sinned, and have fallen short of the glory of God. This is where God is picking out his bride. And God does not walk in blindly like some teenager who is, uh, you know, blinded by some, some uh, supposed love. God does not walk in blindly. God walks in and draws us to himself knowing that we are sinners. Not much to pick from, right? When you think about those passages. Everyone is broken. Everyone is tainted. Not much. We are like broken toys in a box and no child wants them. But here's an amazing truth. For God so loved the world. For God so loved the world. But by the world, Jesus means you and I. Right? He, he means humanity. He, he does not mean the cosmos. He means you and I. The people. But I can tell you one thing. Knowing you and I, I don't think God loved us because we deserved it. I don't think God loved us because we were so lovely, he couldn't help it but love us. He, he knows how much of sinners we are. His was not a blind love. It was a love that saw everything in full color and yet still loved. How amazing is that? Right? How amazing is that? Does it not cause your heart to, to rejoice of this amazing love? Right? To sing with Charles Wesley when he considered the love of God three days after he was saved and, and, and he, he considered that the Lord drew him to himself when he did not deserve it and he says, amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, should die for me? 
It's amazing, right? It's an amazing love. When you consider the fact that if you had a choice, you wouldn't even choose you, if you were to be honest. But God, but God, God drew us to himself in his kindness, in his love. Why? For God so loved the world. You see, those who stand in awe of God's love, those who are amazed and swept away by God's love are those who understand and acknowledge that they are naturally unlovely. Uh, these are those who acknowledge that they are not worthy of God's love. These are people who are actually amazed by God's love. You see, when, when, when you don't understand how much of a sinner you are, you won't understand how much God loves you. Because you're always thinking you deserve it, right? You're always thinking that you worked for it. But when you come to, to, to acknowledge your true condition before God and see the fact that you are not really lovely as you, 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 you suppose, you, you, you think you are. But amazingly, even when we were sinners, God loved us. Isn't it amazing that God... Even now, listen to this. Isn't it amazing that God sees the depths of your heart, yet he loves you? Isn't it amazing that the love of God does not depend on how good you are or how well you do, but only on the fact that he is full of love and abounding in, 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 in grace? Isn't it amazing that it doesn't depend on, 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 on you working for the love of God to get the love of God? But you might be thinking now, Pastor, you have no idea what I have done. You have no idea the, the kind of sins I have committed, the kind of things I have said, the kind of things that I've, I've done. I don't think God would love a sinner like me you're right about one thing. I don't know. I have no idea. But let me assure you of this. There is no sin so bad that can drive away the love of God. You have not gone so far. It doesn't matter how far you think you've gone. You have not gone so far that the love of God cannot grab a hold of you. It is a love that reaches deep to the deepest darkness and draws us to himself. Think about Romans chapter 5 verse, verse 8. It tells us that God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see that? It doesn't say that God loves us um, when, we, when we get our act together. It doesn't say God loves us when we start fixing ourselves, when we, when we start changing ourselves. It says God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, 
Christ died for us. Why is this the case? For God so loved the world. Even in our sin, God so loved the world. As you, you, you go home and sit down over lunch, cooked or bought or even bread, whatever you're going to eat as you sit down with your family and, and think about John chapter 3 verse 16 and, and discuss it as a family or even over, over, over tea and coffee after, after church. I want you to, to just think about the fact that God's love was displayed to you not because you were lovely. I want you to, 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 to be able to know as you walk even this week uh, having uh, God's love being poured out on you. I want you to know as you meditate upon God's love that I truly do not deserve this love. That I did not earn this love. That I am a debtor of God's grace. I, I want you to, to live a life of true joy. As John Piper says, solid joy. Right? Solid joy in the fact that God loves you. I love how the Message Bible paraphrases um, Ephesians chapter 3 verse 18 and 19. This is what, what it says. It says, take in with all followers of Jesus and the extravagant dimension of Christ's love. Reach out and experience the breath. Test its length. Plumb the depths. Rise to the heights. Live full lives. Fullness. Full in the fullness of God. As you take in this love that is deep, that is wide, that is high, and that is full, remember that because that's because God's love uh, for you has been displayed in a way that God did not respond as you deserve. And that God loved you while he knew the real you. He was not blind. God's love is not a blind love. He knows you, yet he loves you, and he draws you to himself. Just as a, an addition to this, The fact that God loves you, even though you're a sinner, does not mean you can continue in sin. Right? In fact, those who truly experience God's love desire to respond 
with love to God. Right? They, they want to love God. They want to display love for God. And one of the ways we display love for God is by living a life that pleases God. Right? As Christians, we don't live a holy life because we fear judgment. We live a holy life because we love God and because he loved us. Amen. Let's pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, indeed, what great love you have loved us with. Just even thinking about those words, for God so loved the world. We, 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 we do not have the capacity to, to take it all in. We, we do not have the ability to, to understand it to its fullest depths, depths. We thank you, O oh Lord, that even for billions and billions of years when we get to heaven, we will still marvel at your great love. May you be praised and glorified, O oh God. May you help us to, to walk in this love. We praise and glorify your name. In Jesus' blessed name we pray. Amen.